0: Today is right up my alley. It is the combination of music and photography, we're going to be talking about the creation of a photo that ended up being the cover of a classic album, Stevie Ray Vaughan's The Sky is Crying, with four-time Pulitzer Prize-winning photographer William Snyder. This is Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel, and man, do I have a great show lined up for you today. Before we get into it, a couple of quick notes. With today's show, and for that matter with any show, if you head to the website behindtheshot.tv, you'll be able to see the show notes for today's episode. Also, the guest that I have on today, a small gallery of his work, a little bit that I wrote about the guest that I have on today, all of that again, behindtheshot.tv. Also, I watch the, the statistics on YouTube, and YouTube tells me that a lot of you that are watching are not subscribed. So if you are watching on YouTube, please head down, hit the subscribe button, click the bell, do all of that type of stuff. That way you're notified whenever I release something new, whether it be a normal episode like this or the critique shows that I do with Don Komarechkin. And for that matter, if you're not watching on YouTube or if you don't want to watch on YouTube, this podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts in either an audio-only format or... If your podcast uh, app of choice or wherever you're getting them supports video, it's available in video there as well, not just on YouTube. Also, I do want to remind you of the workshop that I've got coming up. It's in October. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And the workshop is the Wanderers Photo Workshop. It's in New Orleans. And if you want any information, just head to the website. The details are at wanderersphoto.com. That brings us to the guest today. So I said at the beginning that that this kind of combines everything that's near and dear to my heart. It's music, it's photography, it's Stevie Ray Vaughan. I want to welcome to the show a friend of mine, Professor William Snyder. William, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. It's good to see you, Steve. It's good to I, see I, you. Thank you for I having have, me. Oh, believe me, the pleasure is mine. I had to introduce you, Professor, because you are. We'll get into that in a minute. But before we do, and before we get into your, your career and your history... I want to tell the story of how we met because it's actually one of the coolest things during the pandemic. It's one of the coolest things that I participated in. We have a mutual friend, David Bergman, Canon Explorer of Light, David Bergman. And during the pandemic, David came up with this idea to do photographer happy hours. Once a month, he'd send a text message to people going, Hey, we're getting together on Saturday night over Zoom. Do you want to join? And through that, you and I met with a lot of other amazing photographers that are in
1: that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's great. And I mean, you know, he knows so many people he's been around. He seems like he's been around forever, forever, but he's not that old, but, uh, he's got some amazing friends and contacts and it's, it's fun to meet a bunch of them.
0: Well, you know, well, I was just going to say, you're right. He has amazing friends, but something weird happens during those happy hours. Every time we do one, there's inevitably one or two people that have not been in it before that I haven't met. And I did what I did with you. As they're talking, Steve is banging away on the keyboard, looking their name up and and finding their website and looking at their portfolio. Because if they know David, they're probably really, really good, right? With one exception, no names being mentioned.
1: Cut that out, that's not,
0: uh, that's not appropriate. But, <laughs> exactly, but here's the deal. When I looked you up, I, I remember being in the happy hour literally Realizing my mouth was on the floor open because of your history of photography. Because of that history, I have had difficulty finding an easy description for what you do. So I I, and I think you know what I mean. and, And viewers, listeners will figure it out. You're a graduate of the photography program at RIT, the Rochester Institute of Technology. But what's weird to me is you graduated and then many, many years later, you went back to work and teach there and now you're the director of the advertising photography department at your own alma mater?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, the reason I came back was actually to to be uh, the director, well, to be a faculty member and then the director Of the photojournalism program at RIT and then and I did that for I don't know 11 years I think it was and somebody else wanted it and I'd done about everything I wanted to so it was like okay it's your turn and the minute I did that they the advertising program turned around and asked me if I'd be their director and so that's how I ended up there now my history which we talk about later is in photojournalism But I graduated from what what was then basically the advertising program here at RIT. I specialized in photojournalism, but I graduated from that program. That's Okay, so that's interesting. Figure that one out. Now,
0: well, and here's the thing. During that happy hour, when I looked at your portfolio, the first thing that came to my mind was music photographer, which, again, we'll get into in a second. I don't want to spoil anything, although some people may already know. But then as I started researching you, and looking at your your body of work very clearly. Your your background is almost entirely photojournalism and the way that you do your music photography is photojournalism as well, which is just the nature of that business. But you were at the Miami News for two years. You were a staff photographer at the Dallas Morning News for 15 years, and you won three Pulitzers there. Mm -hmm. You were an editor, You were in management roles. You won another Pulitzer in 2006 as director of photography. So, I mean, there's there's too many awards and stories probably to talk about. But here's my question now that I actually know your history. When you look back on your photographic life, when you look back on your career, four Pulitzers is not a minor thing. Yeah. Do you ever, I mean, does that register with you? Do you ever look at yourself and kind of pinch yourself or because you were there, it just kind of fades away? I'm curious what the personal viewpoint of that is.
1: Well, you know, I'm very proud of the work that I've done. You know, simply put, I'm very proud of the work I've done. And I'm very proud of the fact that those first three Pulitzers they couldn't be three more different subjects than than you can pick. I mean, the first one was, it was actually, I was part of a team that won for uh, explanatory journalism about how the National Transportation Safety Board conducts an air crash investigation. And it was myself, a writer, and a graphic artist. Then the the, the second one was solo, for Romanian orphans after the fall of uh, the Iron Curtain and Ceaușescu. And then after that, it was the uh, Barcelona Olympics with another photographer who also happened to be an RIT alum. Um, So, I mean, those are three totally different things. Here's what I don't understand. That's what I'm most proud of.
0: I, I don't understand something. I always thought, and clearly I was wrong, a Pulitzer was an individual prize. so when 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 you won these Pulitzers, it was a group of people.
1: Well, the first time it was three, the second time it was just me by myself, and second time it was with uh, it was with uh, another photographer. So on I think the modern entries are you can put five names on them. interesting. You can put five names on them. If you go over that, then it becomes a staff entry. So that's what that's what happened with uh, Katrina in 2006. That was a staff entry. That you know there were nine photograph nine different photographers uh, that that had actual pictures in there. But really, uh, you know, and I said this to everybody. It was really true. It was a truly a, it was a staff effort because those nine. Were only half of ultimately the photographers that I sent over there to cover that over the over the the, the course of our coverage, plus the the few that didn't go had to pull the weight in Dallas uh, while they were gone, and then there were you know lab people and editors and all that. I mean, it truly was a staff effort because without everybody doing what they doing what they were doing. The photographers couldn't do, couldn't have done their jobs in uh, New Orleans.
0: Well, I don't know if I, that
1: helps any. You no, know, it makes a ton of sense. And again, to me,
0: as, as a lowly photographer, <laughs> I look at your history and it's like, you should be proud of what you've accomplished. What you have accomplished in this world of photography and, and journalism. I'm not even going to say photojournalism because I, I think that in some ways diminishes what the photos do in journalism, their journalism, just straight up journalism. You can tell a story Mm -hmm. in a photograph as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. So uh, yeah, just amazing. But I mentioned music photography and that kind of brings us into what we're gonna talk about today because you've been the tour photographer for The Who, I think it's since the year 2000, is that correct? Basically. Okay, which confuses me. And I'll explain why it confuses me. You have a book. It confuses me too. You have a book joined together with the band Mm -hmm. that was published in, I think, 2018. Yep. But I think that book has pictures from before 2000 in it, doesn't it? Mm Because on your website, you have pictures from before 2000. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. The short version is I'm just a huge fan. I mean, you can see this back here. Uh, I'm a huge fan, have been for, you know, since I was a teenager since uh before i shot my first show which was you know which was up in the rafters and and i was already working for a newspaper my local newspaper when i was a kid so i had a 200 millimeter lens so i was shooting from way up in the cheap seats uh and managed to get two or three decent frames and so that was sort of the beginning Everybody knew how much I loved the band, so when I was in Miami, um, the Who were doing their farewell tour, and uh, so they sent me to New York to Shea Stadium, and nineteen, what was it, eighty-two, to uh, to photograph the Who at Shea Stadium. The Clash opened for them in order to preview their show. It was going to be at the Tangerine Bowl uh for the third and final leg of that tour so there are pictures from uh from uh oh and i forgot about this i was an intern in phoenix arizona and they were in town and it was on june 30th before my birthday and i said i begged them i said can i go and they were like yeah and so i went and i shot that and um and in those days, it wasn't three and out. It wasn't the mixer board. Right. It was go over wherever you want. And then after the show, because I wasn't on deadline, I went backstage, and 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 that was the first time I met Pete Townsend. And uh, he and I started talking, and it was about thirty about a thirty minute conversation. Because the funny thing was, is everybody was trying to get to Roger. There was one guy, and I saw him, and then. I went over and there was one guy talking to Pete and then I went over and just dominated Pete for 30 minutes. Well, Um, and
0: and you and I've had this conversation because the tour you mentioned 1982 with the clash, I saw that show. I was at WCZY in Detroit. They were at the Pontiac Silverdome and it was actually Eddie money. It was the clash, then Eddie money and then the who, which still to me is, was, In my head, kind of a weird mix ended up being a phenomenal show. Kenny Jones on drums at that point in time. Yep. And uh, we did this weird thing. We had a private booth and we took a crown PZM microphone and hook it up, you know, because there's no, you can't hear the speakers. It comes through a system in the room. So we took our own stereo in there, put a crown PZM microphone and taped it to the glass on the outside of the private suite and brought our own sound in, but a phenomenal show. I've also told you the story that I've applied twice to photograph yeah. The Who when they were here in Southern California. And the one time the Live Nation guy called me, and it's not that for those people that don't know music photography, it wouldn't be the band that said this, it was probably PR or something like that, management. Live Nation, yeah. But Live Nation came back to me and said, I, I sent your thing in and they actually said to me, your radio, why do you need photos? Uh, And this wasn't that long ago. I mean, this was a couple of years ago. But one of the bands I've always been dying to shoot was The Who. So if people want to know about the book, find about the book, what's the website for the book?
1: Well, all right. The book is called Join Together with the Band. And the website is called JoinTogetherWithTheBook.com. Go check out the
0: book. And again, you know, if if you haven't seen the cover, here's the cover of the book. Uh, This is one of my favorite pictures on your website because this picture of Townsend and, and Daltrey walking down backstage, arm in arm, and interestingly, the key being behind them, right? It's almost, like, it's almost like you're spying on an intimate conversation between two guys that have known each other longer than many people around have been alive. Uh, just such a brilliant, we, we should dissect Thank that you. shot on one show someday so here's one other thing i saw half the profits from the sales of the book were donated to the who's favorite charity teen cancer
1: america yep love that love that i could talk to you about the Who forever well all all i can say is look they uh the who have always been very generous with me uh you know they have given me pretty much carte blanche to do whatever i want Uh, I won't tell, I won't lie to you and say that every time they pay me, but there's many times they pay me and sort of, it is, it's your stuff. Do with it what you want. We don't care. Uh, so I'm hoping that in my old age, I can start selling posters and things like that. And they've said that we don't care if that's what you want to do. We don't care. Um, so I wanted to do something sort of in return. And I believe in, in teen cancer. They have basically two things, two charities. There's uh, the Teen Cancer Trust, which is in Great Britain, and Teen Cancer America, which is in the United States. They did not start Teen Cancer America until they had they had raised enough money for, through the Teen Cancer Trust that they managed to build out... Uh, these teen cancer units across the entire entirety of Great Britain, which when you think about it, that's pretty phenomenal. So they got that done and then they started in the United States. And okay. they are, you know, and and they're doing it here. It's a lot harder here because it's a much bigger country. Well, again,
0: I, I, I'm going to have to have you on a second time, whether you like it or not, because I could talk to you about the WHO All day long. And I should probably preface before we get into this photo here in a second. When I originally asked you to be on, it was because I'm a rock fan. I'm in rock radio. I've been in radio for 40 years. When you talked about the fact that you went backstage in those early days and it wasn't like today where it was three and out. Well, in the early radio days, we got backstage at concerts. We got to stand there and and meet a Robert Plant, or I remember the 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 one that was strange to me was it was an Alabama concert when I was in country radio, and I stood b- backstage for forty five minutes talking to Randy Owen like it was nothing. Those things happened back then that just don't don't happen now. You in your career, it's not just music, it's not just journalism. You've you know had clients like Time Magazine, Life Magazine, Sunday New York Times, Sports Illustrated, USA Today. Even holiday in from a commercial more point of view, your work has pretty much crossed everything from rock bands to hurricanes to disasters. Is there any is there any lesson that you look back on your career right now that's not over yet, but you know what I mean. <laughs> is there any lesson that you look back on your career right now that you think has affected or that you apply in your life?
1: Whoa. Um, it's just trying to be, you know, I, I know the word now I didn't used to know, just trying to be empathetic to the situation as best as possible. I, you know, look, I'm not a little guy and I, I have always had the ability to get people to let me in and trust, trust. And, you know, uh, I haven't always applied that in my personal life. I haven't always been that way with my fellow workers. Um, you know, I've always been a little more like, hey, they're supposed to be like me. And um, and that's the one thing I've learned is, you know, I got to treat everybody the same. Okay. Uh, whether, I'm, whether I'm photographing them or I work with them or I just meet them, that's the key thing.
0: So let's put your professor hat on for a second. One of the questions that, like I did a thing with Red River Paper years ago on this show Mm -hmm. where we went around Red River Paper sponsors education programs for Mm -hmm. photography education programs around the country. Mm -hmm. And we did this thing where I'd get students on the show and I'd do an episode with a student and we'd give away some Red River Paper sample kits and stuff like that. One of the questions I used to hear a lot was, and still even to this day, do I need formal photography training to be a photographer to which my response is I don't have it. But you know, again, I only learn what I know to learn. I don't know what somebody else may go. You're going to need this. I know it. I'm going to show it to you. So I'm a firm believer that any formal education has extreme advantages, but in your position, what's the current state of photography education?
1: Well, I think, you know, it's hard for me to speak for any place else other than RIT. RIT, it's still solid. It's not what it once was as far as the numbers are concerned. Uh, Look, the advent of the iPhone and the camera phone has changed the industry. Uh, You know, when I was a kid... Uh, And starting out in the business, you had to have formal training in order to take a clear, well-exposed, in-focus, you know, color-balanced image, much less being able to send it somewhere to have that ability. Now, you can all do it on on, 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 on a cell phone. Right. But here's the issue. Because of that, in the old days, it used to be just can you get a picture? And then can you get it back? There's always been storytelling, but it's always been really at the highest levels. You know, where storytelling, you know, Life Magazine and, and you know, Time and those places and only at the very, very top. And then there were a few, you know, newspapers that that really went to it. But now, newspapers, uh, as a friend of mine, Brian Storm says, news uh, storytelling is a boutique skill because of the iPhone. Anybody can make the pictures. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Is I get all these people, these these who fans that constantly post these pictures of of the band because they're you know, and they're they in the first two or three rows and they've got a phone and they're zooming in and they and they get good good pictures that. 30 or 40 years ago would have been, people would have thought that's killer. And now it's like, it's a dime a dozen. Uh, So extrapolate that out to everything. So that's the thing is technical quality, storytelling, repeatability, and being able to produce on command. Because, you know, we see it all the time in all these big, high-falutin amateur contests. There are amateurs out there making amazing pictures. Oh, yes. But it's it's the same notion of, you know, I'm really funny. Oh, you should be a stand-up comedian. Well, I can be funny like maybe right now when we, you know, when we're, everything's right. But can I be funny on a Tuesday night when I've got a headache and a bad stomach because somebody's paying me and there are people out there that want me to do it? Right. So it, it's it's being able to to come up with imagery on command, uh, you know, and then be able to repeat what you've done in the past. Let's bring up this shot really quick, because okay. again, when I was looking through your website,
0: in Steve's head it was he's the who photographer. I have to talk about a who shot. I I it's a must. And then I saw this. And as soon as I saw it. I mean, literally, the moment I saw this picture, I instantly recognized it as "The Sky Is Crying" from Stevie Ray Vaughan. This is a this is an iconic photo, and thank and you. You're, you, sir, are very, very welcome. And I'm, I'm, I am curious. Knowing what you know now, do you realize what you got here? That this is an iconic picture for an iconic
1: album. To be honest, no.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that's I, possible. I,
1: I, I mean, I look. I'm flattered that you say that because I mean, you know, when you're a young guy, that's the kind of thing that you want to do. I mean, it's literally the only album cover I have. The when I did the original shoot, um, this really for the thing in the newspaper, it really didn't fit, but I shot it anyway because he just sat there and did it. And, you know, and then after he died, uh, you know, Sony came to me and said, what have you got? And I sent them contact sheets and they like this and a couple of other things, which you see on the back. And, uh, and you know, and that's where we ended up. But I, no, I mean, I, I don't think of it that way. I oh, mean, it, you know, when I think of iconic covers, I think of Who's Next, Abbey Road, stuff like that. You know, I, I don't think of this. Which, again, okay. I am, I'm flattered you say that.
0: You went there. Who's Next, Abbey Road, perfect examples. Obviously, Abbey Road is probably, from a rock genre at least, the most iconic picture ever. I mean, there are people who go and walk across abbey road and try and recreate it not to mention all of the conspiracy theories that came out because of the bare feet or because of the rose colors or whatever but completely separate from that if you are a blues rock fan if you know stevie ray vaughn you will know this picture and for those of you that are on audio that can't see this picture i'm going to do what i do every show i'm going to try and describe this picture to you and what's interesting is i don't want to call it simplicity But really, when you look at this picture, it's just Stevie, really, really all you realize about is Stevie. It's Stevie Ray Vaughan sitting on the bumper of what I believe it looks like is a Lincoln. And it's, I should say, it's not a portrait shot. It's a landscape orientation shot. He's sitting on the rear bumper of the car. The trunk is open and inside the trunk you can see the guitar case, which I love, like that adds something that most people wouldn't even see that guitar case in there. But the fact that I can see it and recognize that's a guitar case is is brilliant to me uh, because it, it makes it look less staged, right? It makes it look like he opened the trunk, pulled his guitar out of the case, which may have been the case, but either way, I know that it seems more, I pulled on the side of the road, I pulled the guitar out of a case, I started playing. Based on the bumper sticker, it's a livery or it's actually a limo because it looks like it's a license sticker on, on the bumper. I'm not sure. Cars a on a car. dirt. Say that again. It's a rental car. Rental car. Okay. The cars on a dirt road next to a river and across the river, it looks like, is that Dallas?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you got Dallas across the road, across the, the river. There are no clouds in the main sky, I should probably say the horizon line, the edge of the river, and you see buildings sticking up, that's just below center frame. Way at the top of the frame, it's just a beautiful, rich, very subdued, natural blue sky with not one cloud in it. Okay, except in the middle of the horizon line is the Dallas skyline, and there are clouds there which also oddly adds something that there are, that there's, it's not that there's no clouds. They're only behind the buildings. Now, Stevie is playing an acoustic guitar, looking down at the acoustic guitar, white shirt, baggy shirt like Stevie Ray Vaughan used to wear, beige pants, the boots, so Stevie Ray Vaughan, mid-shin like suede fringed boots, his classic black flat rim hat, The things, where the picture is, you got the turn signal or reflector on the right-hand side of the car. The antenna's in there, where the hood is cropped. Stevie's dead center in the frame. So first things first. The shot was shot in 1990. Mm -hmm. At least according to the EXIF data. Yeah, May of 1990. Do you remember what camera lens you used or what exposure you would have used on this?
1: Um... That's either what, a what do you think you were shooting 24? at the time? Uh, well, I was shooting Kodak 100 um, negative film because that's you know uh, we were shooting color neg all the time, and so I was one of these people that always I'm outside I'm shooting with 100 so I know that's what it is. Uh, probably either a 20 or a 24. Uh, those are I used to. <laughs> really abuse the hell out of those lenses still kind of do what um, body oh some oh it was uh in 1990 um may of 90 uh at that point i was still shooting nikon okay so it would have been an f3 uh i had not switched to canon yet i would do that around the end of the year so there's a conversation right there.
0: How do you get, so this was not a, a commissioned job to photograph an album cover. How did you end no. up getting this? I mean, what, what happens that gets William on the side of a road? 1990, Stevie Ray Vaughan was known.
1: Well, I mean, I worked for the Dallas Morning News and we had a, we had a section called High Profile. And so, uh, and, and it was about high profile people of Dallas and Texas in particular, uh, in general. And, uh, you know, Stevie Ray, as you said, was big. And Stevie Ray literally grew up probably two miles from where this picture was made. So if you kind of, if you look to our right of the picture, it was probably two miles from there is where he grew up. This picture was actually made on the levee, uh, and in the background is the Trinity River. Now, the Trinity River is almost never that full. So let me start by, uh, and, and, and so I had this, this, we did an interview with him at a local restaurant not too far from there. And so I was shooting as many pictures as I could. I was hoping I could, you know, maybe get him outside. And he was, like, he was like, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I got I got plenty of time. We can do anything you want. Wow. I was like, okay, let's go over to the levee and get the city in the background and and do that. Plus, it was later in the afternoon, as you can tell. So the sun's behind me. Setting, you know, getting low in the sky. My my biggest, and I will tell you this now, my biggest regret, because Stevie was the single nicest famous person I have ever met. Really, he was patient and tolerant and willing to do anything. And and I mean, I we sat up on that levee probably for an hour doing stuff. I shot, I don't know, three, four rolls of film. Really? And Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, yeah, today, I mean, there's...
0: that would be unheard of today. Today,
1: it's you get five minutes and they're gone. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was expecting. But see, Stevie was there on his own. There were no handlers. There was no nothing. You know, he lives there in town. He knows who we are. And he's just, at that point in his life, he had become a truly great human being. So here's the regret that I have. That I didn't think I was so, you know, I was still I was relatively young at the time and still kind of awestruck by him because I loved his music. Um, I see. I'm, so I'm the on the edge I- of
0: my seat right now because you sent me an email that said, I have regrets about the situation. I could have, should have, would have if I'd been yeah. really smart. So I'm dying to know what the could have, should have, would have would have been.
1: Well, you see that river back there. Yeah. So it's. Kind of a flood, right? Yeah. So there's an album called Texas Flood. And if I had been really thinking, I would have walked him down there and said, hey, how do you feel about taking your boots off, rolling your pants up, and standing out there with a guitar? Ooh. So see, see, that's why, you know, you say, well, it's an iconic picture, this, that, and the other. All I can see in my head is the picture that I missed that oh, I did I not think, you, think about.
0: Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying, but but
1: there- I mean, can you imagine would, him standing in that river? I would have I been able to shoot it with a wide angle and make him look like he's, you know, it wouldn't look like he was standing out in the middle of it, but he would have been in it, and there would have been nothing but water in the foreground and... And that, and the city, and he would have been standing there playing that guitar, or holding that guitar over his shoulder.
0: Oh, I like that one. I like the over the shoulder, like he's just waiting in the water, hanging out. Yeah, that's yes.
1: okay. So I'll, that's oh. what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that's the shoulda, woulda, coulda regret. That's oh, okay. why I'll when g- I look give at this that. picture, that's all I can think about.
0: See, it's, uh, I, I'm still going to go with this is iconic. So, well, thank you. Which, okay, okay, hold on. This brings up another question then. Mm. If if you could have, should have, would have kind of gone out to the extreme of how far can I push this? Take your boots off, roll your pants up, go in the water. But you ended up with this car in this pose, which again, I think is so, again, I hate the word simplistic here. This is not simple, but yeah. it it's such a stripped down musical shot to me. How'd you come up with the car in the pose of him just sitting and playing or I mean, how, how did, I, I shouldn't call it a pose. How did this scene
1: unfold? Ooh, I, you know, there are other frames where he's posing with the guitar, sort of their verticals because it had to fit this sort of narrow page deep vertical uh, in the paper. So there's a bunch of those, but we also usually have space inside. And so, At some point, it's like, "Hey, you know, how do you feel about sitting on the uh, sitting?" And he's like, "Ah, great, you know." And then he just sat down and started playing. God, I mean, I didn't ask him; he just started playing. You got you got a personal concert, and and, and, and I have to tell you, well, this is the thing: is Uh I I unfortunately never got to see him live except here. This is it. Him playing for me. And, you know, and he was just, he was noodling a little bit and, um, but it was, I, it was one of those things where I wasn't paying that close attention to the music because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and watching the image. And, um, and that's how I do is things come in and they're out, things come in and they're out, things come in and they're out because I've got to, I've got to stay in the moment. With what's going on, okay. But so, but you shot you did shoot this landscape, knowing that that this particular shot
0: is landscape, knowing that mm-hmm. the paper, it's narrow. What's interesting is the album cover ended up being a very narrow crop, vertical. On yeah. this, you obviously had no idea about the end use yeah. of this. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. The sun appears to be over your right shoulder based on the reflections that I'm seeing on the car, right? Uh, it's behind me. I, yeah, okay. Yeah. I've, yeah. But his left hand is also lit. Did you, did, was this all natural
1: light? Did you have any reflectors? No, I, you know, look, I'm working, I was working by myself. I mean, that's the way we kind of did it. Um, I might have popped a flash in there, but I don't think so.
0: Okay. Because his think, face, even you, under the hat, has just yeah, a great well,
1: amount of light. Well, you know, first of all, consider this thing that he's wearing, that tunic that he's wearing, is pretty light colored. So it's okay, going to yeah. bounce around. And you also got to consider, you know, a really good scan of the negative because the neck's a little over overexposed uh, because I was trying to get something in there. Uh, so between a really good scan and a little work in, you know, camera raw, there's more detail in here than I probably ever could have gotten out of a out of an actual c print.
0: Well, but back ago. in the day when they used this for the album or for mm-hmm. the newspaper, would you have yeah. developed it or would the newspaper
1: or the record company? Well, I developed it. You know, are you talking about you mean scanning it and doing all that? I I I seem to remember and you got to remember, this is 30 years ago now or whatever. Right. Um, I think I just sent them prints. I don't... No, no, no. We did... Send, that's right. We did send them some negatives.
0: There we they go. they sent
1: them back. Yeah. So we did... That's right. We did send them the negatives. Okay. So they probably so, slapped those on a drum scanner. Right. And, you know... So good. Just so good. So well, in, in today's day
0: and age, mm-hmm. what's your normal workflow for photos? Like when you do Who Photos, what's your uh-huh. software choices? What's your workflow?
1: Uh, I, I use Photo, photo Mechanic to, to edit. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to use this platform. Editing pictures is choosing pictures. It is not processing imagery. Okay? It's not post-processing. It's not Photoshop, any of that stuff. So, folks, let's get this straight. Editing <laughs> Is choosing pictures. It's not processing pictures. It's not toning them. It's not cropping them. Interesting. Now okay. I'm down off my high horse. Thank you. Um, it was a good ride so on the I, horse. Yeah. What I, mean,
0: I like is that you use photo mechanic, which by the way, almost anybody in photojournalism or high turnaround stuff like sports or you know, live music knows photo mechanic because it's its ability to make your selects, yeah. to do your culling is so fast. I've had people, you know, debate it with me that if you know how to do cache, you know, structure your caches in Lightroom, that it can be just as fast. And I know how to structure caches in Lightroom. And I would say, at least to my perception, no, it's not. I want to get into a a couple of quick questions here, what I call Mm -hmm. the speed round. Mm -hmm. What is your top tip for someone that's shooting a variety of genres like you've had to shoot from hurricanes to music, to commercial, mm-hmm. to portraits. What's your top tip for a multi-genre photographer?
1: Get a good light meter. Oh. Seriously. A good light meter. Because, you know, there, there is a great, uh, we had a, um, I forget his name now, we had this really great portrait photographer uh, that, that spoke to a class and I, it was a Zoom class. And and he said, uh, and I believe this, be proud of your RAWs. And so, to me, the most important thing is get that exposure right. Right. I mean, it sounds really stupid and really simple. And it doesn't always mean that your camera is going to give it to you. Right. Now, okay. You know, I, I mean, I, you know, I use what I use sort of in the, on the who, because it doesn't change that much. And I know the cameras. And so, you know, I can do that, but, but if you're, if, especially if you're moving around, get a good meter, don't just rely on what's in your camera because, you know, there's no reason you can't take, you know, five seconds and go, so you can see it click and there's, and there's the meter reading.
0: Oh, and, uh, and in my world, I see my camera meter wrong on a regular basis. So what is your being a live music photographer like me? What's your top live music tip?
1: Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, look for the unexpected. Cover yeah. yourself with the microphone shot and the guitar shot and all that, but then... You know, especially, look, if you're stuck somewhere, you know, if you're doing three and out, whether you're in the pit or you're in the back, you know, move as far to the right or as far to the left as you can. Sort of get your center things as best. And then look for, I always try to find interaction, little moments uh, between band members. Uh, uh, You know, obviously, there's some people that have their iconic poses and you want those. But I always try to just look for something totally different. And I have to be honest. I mean, for me, the reason I'm able to do some of the things I am with the who is because I have the access I have. You know, and and, and to be honest, that's what it is. So the other thing is um, watch the microphone. Don't, don't, you know. So many people, you know, are shooting from down here and the mic's in the middle of their faces and all that. And it's just god-awful. Yeah. And so, you know, I have a rule.
0: Like I, I'm a big one against what I call microphone nose. I have a rule. If I can't see half of the mouth and I see people post shots all the time and I look at it and go, God, I love that shot. And it's the whole mouth is covered. Why, why can't I mentally get past that? But if I can't see at least half of the mouth, nobody ever sees the shot. I had a moment like what you described. I was on stage at self-help festival here in Southern California. I think the band was periphery and, I'd kind of shot everything I wanted. I was shooting for the radio station, but I know some people, so I had access. And I'm sitting on the side of the stage, like squatted down in front of a monitor in all black trying to hide. And the lead singer turned around and walked over and gave a big hug to the guitarist, head over his shoulder, looked at me and smiled. Had nothing yeah. to do with the performance. And it's one of my, my favorite shots. Yep. So what is your favorite live music lens?
1: Oh. I, I, I'm gonna have to say probably twenty the 2470. Okay. Your uh, favorite? No, go ahead. No, no. All I was gonna say is it, it kind of depends on the stage. If 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 I have sort of basic access, then a 2470. If if I'm back in the in the in the way back, uh, right. if I can, you know, if I know I'm gonna be in the way back, I'm gonna pull my 600 in. Maybe a 600 with a half frame, you know, with uh, uh, whatever it's called, you know, EPS. Right, like a crop mode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, What's your best tip for doing an on-location, impromptu portrait like this?
1: Ooh. You know, Bergman is the guy you got to ask for that. And the only reason I say that is I uh, I am not a big portrait guy. I really am not. Um, I can do them reasonably well, but I lack, dude, the re. You got this. You
0: got this. You do them much better than reasonably well. Let's just. Well, you know, let me me
1: put you this. Let me put you this way. (laughs) You know, I'd rather be lucky than good. Well, I'd rather be lucky. Argue I good. would argue you I mean, may be both, my friend. Uh, well, I mean, here's the here's the tip for everything. To me, the tip for everything is telling the story, okay. trying to capture the per, the person's personality. So I don't care whether you're whether you're on stage or in a in a in a portrait shoot or anything like that. Um, that's what I always try to do. That's what I'm trying for. I don't always get it. Um, and, and so if I had any advice about portraits, that would be it because I, you know, I, you know, unlike Bergman, I don't do these over and over and over again so I can go, okay. And build up that vocabulary, both with them and in my head, um, you know, I can shoot sport portraits, what we call sport Better than just about anything because I've shot so many of those, and those are really sort of different because you know there's action involved and things like that. For me, I have you know I'm not as comfortable with sort of static stuff, although I just watched a great uh piece on uh, uh oh, uh, great portrait photographer, single name, I've forgotten his name now, uh, it'll come to me in a minute, but um. Well, if you anyway. if you think of it, let me know and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um
0: because you anyway. do you you do you're talking about portraits. In essence, the shot behind you is kind of an on-stage portrait. Yeah. Your composition style, look at it, I mean, you fit right in the middle of these two, the way you compose it. When you look at a shot like this, same type of a thing, where you 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 clearly understand composition. What's your favorite composition rule?
1: Well, that frame back there doesn't, doesn't uh, fit it. And basically, the, the composition rule is uh, a combination of rule of thirds and using the entire frame. Okay. What, what I prefer to do when I can is I like to layer images, a foreground and a background. I don't like to have things that are flat too often. And I don't like to put things in the center of the frame. That picture was center of the frame because they're walking and I'm running behind them just trying to keep them in focus and firing away. You know, uh, that's that's and it, and that's a horizontal. I mean, that's cropped way in. And let me tell you a little secret about that cover right there. OK, I'll tell you this secret. Um, that's not exactly the cover of the book. And I'll tell you why. Because we were dummying up covers and we, we were really trying a lot of different things and it just, nothing was coming together. And I finally found that, I knew it, but I mean, I finally found that picture. But here's the thing, that actual frame as it exists does not have their feet, sort of their back feet in it.
0: So those feet
1: that you see that are lifted are taken from the frame right before it. And I just put it there together for that dummy cover for the website when we were selling previews. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I can't do that. Okay. That is that is the journalist in me that doesn't mess with pictures. Okay. And so, so- I, I kind of leave it there because, you know. But if you look at the cover, it comes up higher. Okay. Okay. Last
0: question, who's a photographer that you think if people don't
1: already know them, people should know about? Oh, do you care the genre? Doesn't matter. Okay. So the, to me, the greatest living photojournalist right now is a woman by the name of Carol Guzzi. Okay. And, and if you've never heard of her, and odds are you probably haven't because she's not published any books she doesn't have a website, but she worked for the, the Miami Herald, which is where I first met her, and then she worked for the Washington Post, and now she's a freelancer. She's won four Pulitzers, all for f- photojournalism, photography, and a myriad of other awards. And she's A, one of the nicest, most empathetic people you'd want to meet, uh, but her work is outstanding. Um, She shoots, she shot some of the greatest stories in the world uh, in the last 40 years. And that's the other thing, is the, the thing that's cool about her is she won a Pulitzer in the 80s, the 90s, the aughts, and the teens. Wow. And she's been a finalist two or three other times. She's won, I don't know how many JFKs or RFKs. I think, I think
0: if I'm not mistaken, it was Estra Suarez, who I just recently had on, photojournalist, uh, I think two-time Pulitzer winner. Uh, I think he mentioned her actually when he was talking about, because he shot for the Washington Post. Uh, I think he mentioned her too during that show. Uh, so I will put the show notes, in the show notes, I will put a link to any information I can find on her. If she doesn't have a website, that makes it a little more difficult,
1: but look her up, because obviously yeah. there's going to be stuff somewhere. And well, she's, she's represented by a, a company now, and so they may have some stuff of, you know, you can probably get it there. It's Zuma, Z U M A.
0: Oh yeah, Zuma Press.
1: Yeah, and okay. so she, she, they rep her now. But so she is. She's amazing.
0: If people uh, want to see any of the links I'm talking about in this show, a small gallery of William's work, a little blurb that I wrote about William, those are all on the website. Find this episode. Go to BehindTheShot.tv. Find the episode. And you'll find all the info that you, you can there along with all the ways that you can possibly subscribe. If people want to find you, I know you're on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, joined together
1: with a band. Okay. And your website. Oh, uh, it's, it's very original. It's William Oh, makes it, <laughs> makes it super yeah.
0: easy. William, I, I cannot say how much I appreciate you're doing this, man.
1: No, it's a good, it's great. I'm, I'm happy to do it. And, it. and it's fun to talk about that picture. I haven't talked about that picture too much, even though, you know, so I laid good. my soul open there and let you all know that I felt like I booted the whole shoot. So.
0: Oh no, I, I, I'm telling you it is. And I, as soon as I saw it, sky is crying. That's the sky is crying. I know that picture. Uh, so learning more about it was, was really fun. And again, thank you very, very much to my guest Uh, William Snyder, appreciate it. Everybody go give him a follow. Instagram, join together with the band. You can find his website. All the links are in the show notes at behindtheshot.tv. If you want to find me, that's real easy. It's stevebrazil.com. It's like the country Brazil, but it's two L's the website for the podcast, BehindTheShot.tv. You can head on over there. If you're watching on YouTube, please head down, click the subscribe button, click the bell so that you're aware of everything that I post on YouTube. And if you don't want to watch YouTube, if you want to do this through some other format, Spotify, uh, uh you know, Pandora or a podcast catcher app, you can do that as well in either audio only or video, assuming that your your platform supports video. Again, all the links on every way that you can subscribe are at BehindTheShot.tv. I'm Steve Brazel. Thanks to everybody for joining. Make sure you join us next time as we go inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. <laughs>